This is the Most Mobile Podcast, connecting you with success people and their stories. To be great, you need to learn from the greats. So sit back and listen to those who have walked the path of success. Hi, actually, first I'd like to thank you for being my guest on MostMobile.com. I'm really looking forward to delving into your story and sharing it with our listeners. Let's kick it off with your company, Doorsteps, a new breed of estate agents. Can you explain to our audience about your multi-million pound startup, Doorsteps.co.uk, and what makes it so special? Yeah, of course. So thanks for having me on, Russ. Um, I think, firstly, with Doorsteps, we're special for a lot of reasons. Um, but ultimately, in a nutshell, we are an online or hybrid estate agency. And we can sell properties for or from £99. So we've been only around for about a year and a half, but in that time we've grown from nowhere to the to now the 10th largest estate agent in Britain. And that's completely based on word of mouth growth. So we are the cheapest or, or best value estate agent in Britain, um, one of the fastest growing, and have now saved customers about four, almost £5 million in total since starting. So uh, yeah, we're quite chuffed with how well, far we've come so far. That's truly an astounding business model to, to actually sell properties for £99, I must admit, and obviously to achieve such... I mean, I, I, the facts I've got written down, it was the 18th largest UK estate agency. You've obviously, <laughs> even from that, from my uh, facts and figures, you've come up, come a long way just from there. So you're now the 10th largest. Absolutely, absolutely. I think it's... Um, for us, it's, it, I think it feels like it was something the market needed. If, if customers were saying to us, you know, this yeah. is something that, that the market, you know, see is so... Um, kind of backwards, but archaic. Mm. Um, and yeah. then this, yeah, exactly. You know, I, a big, big kind of disruptor of some sort. Yeah, I, to- I totally agree. I mean, the value that you've given to people saves them, you know, a massive amount of money, which allows them this extra budget for, say, home improvements or so on, which is extremely important Absolutely. for a lot of people. Absolutely. You know, the cost of moving is something people take into account, you know, massively um, and understandably, it's something they're taking into account when moving. And if we can save each homeowner in Britain, you know, in excess of five thousand pounds, which is our our kind of long term mission, that's why we were created. Um, it can make a huge difference, especially in times of a slow market. Mm. And people have often asked, "Well, how how do you deal with Brexit?" Well, actually, for us, it's you know, in a slower market, people are more price sensitive, okay, um, of course, yeah, and more sensitive to their to their cost of moving. Mm, so for us, totally. it's actually you know, we're actually doing something good. By, by, by our customers. Okay, so you, obviously you've informed me you're now the 10th largest UK estate agent. So what is your end goal for doorsteps? I think the end goal for us is uh, essentially to be the number one agent in Britain, um, right. hands down. But not just the number one agent in Britain, um, going from 10th to number one, but actually to be the most loved agent in Britain. You know, perception of a state agency and their state agents, like I said, is, is quite horrible. And we think, you know, you know, with agents, you know, we're agents dealing with the biggest asset in your life. So mm. the perception of a state agent should be friendly, should be nice, should be, mm. you know, it should be welcoming. And that's what we want to do. So with our recruitment strategy from our local property consultants all the way down to our office staff is, is very much focused on mm. that. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's where we want to be. It reminds me of a sort of a Richard Branson <laughs> kind of care about your, you know, in, your internal customers as well as your external customers kind of uh, attitude. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so obviously I've got some more obviously facts. These, these may obviously be wrong, but doorsteps is actually cur- or what's currently valued at twelve million pounds. Um, is, is that correct, or is it round about that? That's right. Yeah. So yeah. It's, uh, it will be a little bit higher in the next round. Mm. Um, but yeah, 
Sorry. Did you did you ever think that you would obviously achieve something or such magnitude from you know when you first um, <clears throat> dreamt up the idea of Dorset? Not at all. I think there's, there's one thing I did know, <clears throat> and that was genuinely the scale of opportunity. I think that that's important to identify. You know, for us, it was, there's actually so much again scope for, for a proposition like this. It, like I said, it's what it's what the market needs. Um, people have been looking for this and the fact that properties about one percent of properties were sold online you know four or five years ago and now it's probably come up to about 12 percent potentially at 10 to 12 percent by the end of this year mm. which is a massive leap in the sense that people uh or industries have been disrupted by the online sector and dating and retail and more recently you know, we've seen big retail giants come falling down um and that decimation of the high street i think but I think that's the one thing I knew that actually there is a market, there's appetite for this. The high, you know, it shouldn't be charging however many thousand pounds per se. It's just, it's just not right. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, so, how did the idea first come about for obviously your company? So, I think it started off kind of if we go all the way back to the roots, you know, when I was moving, moving house from, from Hemel Hempstead outside London into London. Um, and that was God, about 10 years, uh, a bit less than 10 years ago now. And moving from outside London into London was a big move, an expensive move, more importantly. And me being the curious child that I was, quite interested in kind of, where's this money going? What does the estate agency do? What did this person do? What did this person do in the process? And part of that was because I was a young carer to both of my deaf parents. And again, I was a bit more exposed in terms of the the daily admin and running of the household. So mm. I, I kind of had to understand that, that, those processes and mm. so on um, <laughs> to help my parents with it and, and help help them with the communication of it. But obviously, mm. I was genuinely curious as well. So years, years later, when I was about 16, you know, throughout school before that, I was I had very much a trading mentality, selling sweets, colognes, chargers, whatever you, whatever you think, whatever you might have. Um, and when it came to about 16, I looked back on the market and I thought, actually, this is the most undisrupted kind of core service in Britain. Yeah, yeah. It's the most undisrupted um, vertical, one thing that will never change, one thing that Britain loves, property, and it was just undisrupted. So I thought, actually, mm. this, needs some, this needs some disruption. And for me, it was, you know, started off with an app connecting buyers and sellers directly, which was a little bit more revolutionary. Um, so that was kind of cutting out estate agents, portals, and everything all in one, which was again a bit a bit too far for the UK market at the time. Right. Um, but I think after a couple of years, it was a case of um, adjusting that into store sets and mm. testing the market, and people loved it. And that's and actually main problem with estate agency is high cost, lack of transparency, and uh, poor service. So we've actually our mission will be to tackle the three of those head mm. on. Try and tick, tick all the boxes for the for the customers, and then I mean, price is a, mass, a massive factor for a lot of people. And then once again, service. So it seems like you're doing all the right things, but as, as you said, trying to have spot in that niche in the in the in the market at ten, and then hanging on to that to you was actually old enough to implement it. I mean, you was yeah. was you still was it sixth form when you started the company, or was it? Yeah, yeah, so sixth form. I was doing my levels. Yeah. Mm. So where, where was you when you your first sale sort of came in? What was the education? Um, I was yeah, that, that was during A level, so that was a oh, surprise okay. one. I wasn't yeah. I kind of really, I did like a really soft launch, but someone actually found the website and I didn't want to turn them down, so, so mm. I didn't. <laughs> um, 
and um yeah that was kind of early days um about yeah two to three years ago now so that was yeah in the midst of a level uh the property in east sussex so i went down to the photos floor plan and everything myself and got him on the market and sold within a few weeks so it was uh, to have that confidence and yeah to have that confidence and to pursue the idea of such an allowed it's quite unbelievable most kids are like kicking a football around or i mean playing the uh, xbox and Fortnite and not hatching businesses while they're you know trying to get an education it's, it's quite remarkable for me, yeah. yeah for me it was that like curiosity i think mm. you know, i was always interested in what okay i did well at school but i thought what what's outside the school curriculum what else is there to life and what's what's the meaning of of money and how can, how can you really make a difference you know, beyond totally, yeah. Things, how can you make a difference as one person, not just being within a corporation, but how can you make a difference alone? And mm. for me, it was for property sellers across Britain, and this one actually door set the way to do that. Um, and that's how I designed for it. Yeah, I mean, a lot, a lot of business and startups, they try to focus on how much money they can make and how much revenue they can make, not actually how much value they can provide, which then generates yeah. the, uh, the the revenue. Um, but get back to your sort of education. Did you did you drop out of sixth form, or did you finish that, or did it affect your future uh, no, plans for education? Finish, so I did finish sixth form. Yeah, I did finish my A levels, and and that's where I deferred entry to university. So I didn't go to university, and instead focused on the business. Yeah, right. Well, rightly so. I mean, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of lot of founders obviously drop out of education, and at that point, when it's I think you know in your gut it's it's the right decision, and you know you've, you've obviously as you said you've created. This this idea and turn it into a business at such a young age, you could sense like I, yeah. it's, it's time. Yeah, and absolutely. Like I said, it's done. It wasn't a sure thing by any stretch, but I think for me, it was it was the fact that, like I said, timing for me, timing is everything in business, and that was the time to have an online or hybrid estate agency. That was the time to make a mark with a new with a new business like that. I think mm. If I waited to university, I would still be. I'll still be a year off graduating now, mm. so I'll be graduating in 2019. Um, and the market's moved a massive mm. amount. You know, we took 1% of UK market share last year. 1% of the whole UK yeah, market that's, we that's took. massive. And massive. that's something we wouldn't have even, even <laughs> kind of scraped upon if yeah. I waited until university finished. So, it was, um, yeah. It was and an I suppose if, if, if you would have waited... Gone to, finished your education, you know, someone else may have jumped on the idea or come up with it, and then you know, yeah, your opportunities uh, vanished. Um, so, you launched your business whilst at school, but obviously, with business ideas, um, there usually comes you know, some form of investment. You know, what were your startup costs, and how did you fund them in the beginning? So, we started off with a kind of very small family loan, which was then paid back, and um, then again, a bit of help from family, uncle, and so on, a bit of angel investment. And then the first proper funding round we did was through Crowdcube last year. Um, oh, yes, I've heard we of yeah. Crowdfunded, yeah, about 400000 at the 12 million valuation. And then, yeah, just been, yeah, been mm. using that as the engine of growth since then. Oh, you're, you're very lucky to have uh, you know, a support family and a network around you to help you just give you that little lift and that platform. Because obviously a lot of <coughs> kids, they don't you know, not necessarily have, have or are so fortunate to have families that, ha- that can lend them. Even the, just the little few thousands in the beginning, obviously, just gives you a little bit of a platform to, you know, establish um, your business. Absolutely. I think it was, um, yeah, I think with business people think you need a lot of money. I think sometimes you do, but I think avoid the sunk costs and test it cheaply. You know, like the first few properties that I did by myself, I bought a cheap camera on eBay. And, it was, mm. you know, it's like investing yourself into the project rather than finance sometimes, you know, because sometimes people go and invest 
hundreds of thousands and even thousands and trying to get an idea that they think is going to work, but actually they, they test it on real customers. Right. So that actually the feedback is different to what they, what they thought. And that's mm, one thing okay. I think um, I'm glad I did that way. So I started cheaply, you know, the really kind of makeshift homemade website, etc. But I understood what customers wanted. I got a few customers, understood what they wanted, how they wanted it. And try to build out from mm, there, build rather from there, than yeah. building a big, big te- technology platform mm. and and recruiting ten, fifteen people, etc., and then mm. offering it to the customer for them to say, oh, "This is not great." Um, so yeah, it's kind of the really the Steve Jobs kind of proposition mm. of working, starting with the customer and working backwards. Yeah, um, which also mean I didn't have to spend too much initially either. Mm. Um, so it works out both ways. In mm. Well, it goes to show you don't have to have millions, millions uh, into invest in a startup to actually make it work. And uh... absolutely. Yeah, that's good. Um, so moving moving on from that, you were dubbed Britain's youngest millionaire at the at age of seventeen. Um, has this title opened any doors for you, or given you a step up in business? Yeah, I think it's. Um, I think it certainly helps me some of the credibility because the cultural, I think the cultural perception for people is is all oh, he's young, or uh, all these people are young. It's, it's young people in business is not something that's like I said so widespread and conventionally accepted at the moment so i think it helped in that sense that mm. yes it's a title that i don't like but <laughs> but it but it, it part, does part, credibility. part and parcel yeah i suppose of the <laughs> yeah it's part and parcel and i think it offers yeah, the credibility that actually although i don't see this as successful just yet I, could, I think it's fair to say that actually we've built the traction and we've got something to offer the market um that people may not have looked twice at you know prior to that just because um of age yeah. So, yeah. Well, another another title uh, you've been given by your friends is Alan Sugar um, after becoming Britain's youngest uh, business millionaire <laughs> while selling houses during your lunch break. Um, that's not such a bad association, is it? To be honest with you. <laughs> uh, it's, it's not. Um, again, it is a bit cringy somewhat, but <laughs> again, yeah, it's it's um, an important thing is for me and for my friends that we know it's and and even you know, regardless of press or no press, I think it's keeping feet firmly on the ground humility is, is so important so uh yeah um so also you're 19 now yeah still very young in the business game but i'd like to know if you had any moments of entrepreneurial flair when you were even younger yeah um also just turned 20 as well by the way oh sorry 20 <laughs> um, let's see another fact right. <laughs> um but yeah i think as i mentioned in my first one of my first kind of journeys I embarked on was just just something sim- as simple as selling sweets. So when I was, how old you mate? So we're looking at around twelve or thirteen. Mm. Um, to school, I was selling I was selling sweets and um, did that because, for, for a few weeks because I wanted to buy a PlayStation. My parents. All oh, right. Said no. So you had a goal behind your, uh, <laughs> your business. I, I did have a goal at the time, yeah. So my goal was to buy a PlayStation. I thought, okay, how can I do this on my own? Because my parents said no. So did you get Did you get there. the PlayStation? <laughs> I did indeed, and got oh. it within about a week, which, oh. was, which wasn't too bad. Um, so I was yeah. So got went wholesale, borrowed fifty quid from my cousin, uh, bought one box of sweets. Sold that. So yeah, they bought about sixty p. Sold them mm. for about a pound. Um, in the school playground and paid my cover back and carried on from there and bought the PlayStation. Mm. So, yeah, so, so even it, so even then you um, you knew you had to get some investment in the beginning to fund your business. 
yeah. Even though yeah, it was sweet. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but even if it was a smaller 50 quid and I paid it back after a couple of days, it was that was it. That initial capital was, was important, yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, I do think that entrepreneurship can be taught, but I also think that for those that reach great heights like yourself, it's actually ingrained within them so much so that it's going to be their life, like literally from the get go. I think, um, yeah, it's a very interesting view. I think it's very interesting view. I think a lot of people have said the same. Um, I probably, I, I, I'm probably not the best judge, to be honest, um, <laughs> of something like that. But I think it is something that people will express interest in. I think it's, it's the interest in, mm. not again, not necessarily making money because that can come within lots of different industries and different professions. But I think this is something, it's mm. a bit higher. I think it's a sense of purpose that actually, like I said previously, you want to make a difference. Mm. And I think that desire to actually make a difference, that passion to change something, that passion to, yeah, actually make a mark within an industry is, yeah, I think it's a different type of drive that you, you do see in entrepreneurs. So, yeah, I guess I agree to some extent. I mean, I'd like to see something like in the education system happening from a, in an early age where obviously they spot something like this and then they encourage it and, you know, Natural, help those, yeah. not just let it sort of fade away and, you know, forget, get forgotten about, but then try to, you know, help them build their skills. Yeah, agreed. Because I think, yeah, because when I was selling fruits at school, I got in trouble for it. You know, I got, mm. I did get in big trouble for it, and then I did it again, and then I got in trouble again, and then I had to stop. So, <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah trouble no, in trouble for using your imagination and creativity. It's bizarre. Yeah, unfortunately, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, obviously, you've established yourself quite well in the in the business industry. What sort of tips would you give? Could you give us three tips, advice that you'd give to aspiring entrepreneurs? Yeah, I think um, well, I probably covered some of them in the school, actually. So test it cheaply. If you've got an idea, uh, test it cheaply. Continue to iterate on the product and or service and keep changing it according to customer feedback and see how that can be improved. Um, another one I'd say is get into something you feel passionate about yeah. because I think then your your job kind of doesn't feel like a job so mm. to speak you, you generally can enjoy um, mm. what you do on a daily basis yeah, yeah. Um, so I think yeah getting something you genuinely feel passionate about um, another one I think hmm have a think well I've heard of an, another tip I don't, I'm not actually sure what it um is about it's something called eat the frog. Is this one? Yeah. <laughs> what does yeah. that actually mean? So eat the frog is the concept. That's more uh, kind of on a ma- on, that's more on a micro scale on a kind of day to day tip, which is how to manage your workflow and your workloads. Um, right. Eat the frog is basically starting off with the biggest task. So eat the frog, mm. do the biggest or most difficult task first in your day, and the rest of your day becomes a lot easier. The rest of your day becomes a lot more mm. smooth, um, and the working become a lot more smooth, and you can actually end up having a lot more, much more productive. Day yeah. In the end, so yeah, I'd say. I mean, the, I mean, they're really great, they're great tips, common sense, and you know, very sound advice. But a lot of people don't actually apply that, so um, very valuable. Yeah, but applying those, yeah. Um, coming away from your tips again, who who would you say has influenced you most in your life and, and also business? Um, two separate people. Well. Um, or together, kind of just in general. Yeah, I mean, your choice. If, if you if, if you can see there's a, a separation there, you know, most in life and most think, in business. Yeah, 
I think for me, I, probably a bit boring answer, but I'd probably say my parents. Mm. Um, a lot of people say that to Spanish It's quite humbling yeah. to hear. Yeah, no, it's, I think it's, it is, because it's, it's important, I think, for my parents, you know, the way I see it is, yes, I, I you know, I, I work very, very hard on the business and, and so on and so forth, and yes, we, we don't have the kind of most, the wealthiest of families and mm. backgrounds, but, um, but they, I've seen how hard they've worked in their life. I think they've, they've kind of moved, my dad, for example, moved from Kenya to, completely out of Kenya into, came to London, had to kind of start from scratch. Wow. So my parents have had that yeah. life in terms of rebuilding a life in from from elsewhere to, to London to England. So I think they've done so well in terms of working so hard across the course of their lives to set something up, to set up, you know, at least a comfortable life where we've got food on the table and so on for myself <laughs> and my sister. Um, mm. So yeah, I think seeing their work ethic and their drive is inspiring. Regardless mm. of what they do, it's. Uh, that work ethic and yeah, I mean, desire to make things a better life for their children um, is, is inspiring. Mm. I mean, parents are a massive part of any of anyone's life, and I, I, as you said, when they, your, your father's moved over here, you've seen firsthand him um, basically change his life and start setting things up, and it may, possibly may have affected you what, how you could see, oh, I could do that, or I could implement these things in my life going forward, and just having a structured approach yeah. and and, a, and end goal. You can actually achieve things by, you know, applying yourself. So it's that that kind of uh, yeah. parenting really is, um, is extremely yeah. important. I think it's yeah, especially being especially both being deaf. You know, disability mm. wasn't again it was back, back I say back in the day, but you know, 30, 40 years ago, there weren't kind of amazing schooling facilities and so on for deaf people and things like that. Yeah. And they they had to kind of go through that. Um, and especially when my dad was in Africa, there was no facilities whatsoever for disabled or for deaf people. Mm. Um, so kind of getting through that, understanding what he needs to do and and uh, bringing up, you know, raising a family and so on, children, it's, yeah, it's really good to see. Mm. I mean, caring, caring for your parents as well must give you some ownership and, and confidence to uh, that more than most sort of children that, oh, that, that, that don't yeah. have that to, to uh, focus on. Yeah, it's, it's, it's character building. Um, I think that character building is, 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 is so important. Um, so yeah, I think that that kind of helped me to become the kind of person I am today massively. Yeah. So like you said, taking on me being a bit more mature at a younger age, taking on bigger responsibility, dealing with different types of things in life. So yeah, sure. Mm. Um, I mean, I've asked you for three pieces of advice for entrepreneurs, but I don't know if you had any. There's these sort of things I like to call success habits, which is like people's daily routines that you sort of, if you could. If you didn't do them, then your your business or your life would move forward. Have you got any of these sort of daily routines or habits that you do? Oh, um, I think work ethic in the sense that don't, mm. there's no start and no end to the day. Um, right. Which probably is probably not very it's not very sustainable, and it's not mm. again it's not a long term mentality to have. But I think mm. when starting the business, don't think of it as a start and end of the day. For me, yeah. I'm essentially I'm always working, and mm. you know. Um, yeah. So, what about obviously as you sort your business has grown, you become like a, a school kid to then a business uh, owner, and then obviously you've had to take staff on. Has your you know the way you deal with people had to change, or have you had to sort of realise that uh, you know some people are different, and you know the way you speak to them is, is uh, detrimental to be to uh, your business? No, I think the way you convey yourself. Um, confidence and so on is very important mm. uh, so I think if you can convey yourself with confidence and present yourself 
confidently. Um, I think that's very. I think that's that's important in itself, and that's and people will then perceive you the way you convey yourself. So, age again just becomes a number. So, mm. um, being able to deal with things coherently in a structured manner, I think, and again the passion and clout will come through. Um, mm. And your clout and dealing, dealing with matters then kind of supersedes any age factor or. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's also great advice. Um, now, a, a question I ask all of my guests is who do you consider to be the most mogul entrepreneur? This is this is someone whose business acumen and achievements have impressed, impressed you over the years. Most noble, did you say? Uh, yeah, the, the most mogul yeah. entrepreneur, yeah. Um, oh, okay. Um, well, that's a difficult one. I have to say... Hmm. I'd want to say Jeff Bezos, but it's a bit of a mm. Amazon, Mr. Amazon, cliched one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, a lot. Of, again, I've had people say their parents as well, which is, um, you know, because oh, it's a, yeah. someone that's uh, affected affected their life so much in an early early age, an early age, sorry, that it's they they can only see them as their sort of pinnacle of uh, um, achievement. Yeah, um, no, of course. Um, yeah, Bezos is probably one of the top. Yeah, Jeff Bezos. Yeah. yeah, well, he's done, he's done extremely well. <laughs> the mammoth, <laughs> the mammoth bad. Amazon. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, I think just because of the disruption, and he believed in it from so early on, and he just stuck by it consistently. Yeah, I think that, and that's admirable in itself. You know, he, Amazon, although it seems very new, it's not. It's been around for a long time. Oh yeah, yeah. But you know, it starts off just a little online book retailer, and he persisted persisted because he believed in the strength of the online market and, and mm. now here it is obviously given that we're in online market as well it's yeah it's inspirational well you have an amazing story and although you're still very young you've already formed a remarkable journey which i think a lot of people uh, can benefit from listening to um you know there's some, some good tips in there um and some good advice that a, a lot of people can benefit just just from where they're where they are currently, everyone's at sort of different levels within their startups and their businesses. And even people that have already been in business a long time can, can learn a lot from that. But I mean, to, to all those estate agents out, they might be listening. They, they need to up their game because I think, you know, doorsteps is coming for them. You know, <laughs> your, your, your friends call you Alan Sugar. I think they should call you the Terminator, to be honest with you, because <laughs> it's, it's a, a massive disruption, uh, your business to the, the, the um, estate agency business. So I think they should you know, try to implement a few changes along the way before it's uh, before it's too late. <laughs> Absolutely. No, it's much appreciated. Yeah, I want to say, but anyway, a big thank you for coming on the show and sharing your success story, Most Mobile Audience. Um, thank you. I wish you and Dorseps the very best for the future going forward. Perfect. Thank you very much. Thank nice you speaking to you. Thanks. Take care. Bye. Cheers. Bye-bye. This concludes our show for today. If you want to get in on our interviews first in the future, then smash the subscribe button and please share this in your favorite social media. Thank you. Goodbye and God bless.